Well, good evening, folk. Hello to everyone. Um, thanks for coming out on this wet evening. Just um, did you enjoy the storm the other night. Sunday night. How much? 22 in like 8 minutes. So it was like quite incredible. Um, yeah, this is, this is the confidence we have. The Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Who's starting to believe that God has a dream for their life? Who's starting to believe that this year can see some things being dug up and dusted off and revisited and refired? I think all by now we pretty much got the central theme of, of dreaming again in 2010. But as leaders in the church and as those that are invited yet tonight, because we see leadership on you, in this house we want to see this vision being massaged through to every person in the church, many who have maybe over the years just grown despondent, grown discouraged. And we all need from time to time the desires and the longings of God to get back into our heart, the passions and the vision. And um, those of you here on Sunday, who wasn't here on Sunday morning? Just a couple of us, all right. Well, we did a very simple exercise. We put up some... Uh, art boards around the church and we had some people pre-planned to come out and, and paint during the course of the service uh, during the worship and then they got up on the stage before I got to preach I don't know who painted it they got to tell you if it's upside down how, how, do, how do you know that's not it what, what, what? oh no sorry it's actually that way you know you see beauty's in the eye of the beholder you know, whatever blows your hair back, all right? <laughs> yeah, Jennifer did a painting, but she got so carried away in the spirit, she just went right through the worship and through the message and the altar call and the collection. Jennifer, where are you? Isn't that beautiful? Have a look at the back there. Just the hand of God reaching out. Wow. That's like a, just a... Hey, Jennifer, what, where are you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what was stirring in you while you were painting on, on Sunday? Yeah, you can stand up as we can hear you. Yeah, and that's, that's part of the key. God's giving us a key this year. And uh, then we, we took that illustra illustration. Let me tell you, that, that was just kind of, that was the illustration to, to make a point on Sunday morning, but I love the illustration. I think we need to stir up the arts in the church. We need to keep bringing art exhibitions in and painting and writing down poetry. If you've got a gift writing songs or, or po po poems or prophetic words, you know, these other art creative. My daughter was drawing a picture. She said, Jay, why didn't Daddy call me up? <laughs> she drew this picture of balloons going up with a cross on the top of the balloon, saying that God's wanting to kind of breathe under, you know, raise the cross up over our lives. And we like those balloons that, 
you know, as we, as we and, and she got all excited about this picture. And I thought, that, that's some of the creativeness that uh, can be expressed. Uh, but really what we wanted to do, we wanted to take that as an illustration that all of us face this year with a, a blank canvas. And that blank canvas represents the, the opportunity that we're currently in, whether it's a job or at home with a child or in a new business or a business venture, uh, looking for a business venture. It's whatever's before us now. We, we shouldn't get too tangled up on last year's pictures. We need a fresh picture for a new year. And it's just a message of hope. It's a message of, and the, the, the colors, at least the paintbrush and the paints, are the talents and gifts God has given us. He's given us individual, unique giftings that we can apply to the opportunity that's right at hand. We don't have to run off somewhere looking for an opportunity. There are opportunities right on our doorstep. And, and then the inspiration that came as the person was drawing, and like, like, like you heard about the hand and the key, and the many other pictures that were up here, behind the, the canvas and the, the paint was an inspiration. And that's what we're talking about this year. We're talking about that inspiration, that, that envisioning, that impassioning, that, that dream. When we talk about dreaming again in 2010, we're not necessarily talking about physical dreams, you know, the old dream dreams, the, the young sea visions. I'm talking about the dreams that are for all of us, but including those dreams. And I, I don't think there's a necessary order for those. I think the young can also dream dreams, and the old can see visions. So it's, it's just saying that in the last days there's going to be increase of prophetic awareness. And why not? Why shouldn't we be on the forefront of that? Saying, God, you've given me an opportunity I'm faced with right now. And you've given me the, some, certain talents and gifts and you've given me the Holy Spirit who's brought new gifts into my life and talents and maybe abilities that I didn't even know I had lying dormant. But we've got to take the first brushstroke. We've got to take the first step, as it were, in applying and connecting some action to that. You've got to take the pellet gun and bring it to church on Sunday with a telescopic lens and pop one of those birds for us. All the bird lovers hate me. Now, anyway, I don't get too distracted by that. Sorry about that. Also, just as I thought about this blank canvas that, that, that is our opportunity, you know, we have a couple of these... If I had four or five here, I would kind of overlap them and put them in different order, representing my personal life, my family, my work, the church. Because th th there's not a one dream that fits every situation in my life. My dream for this church is maybe slightly different from my dream in my family or my dream, my personal. But there's an overlapping of them. But in each one, they're, they're unique to a certain extent, and they all revolve around a single priority. We well, had two weeks ago, I spoke about the priorities. That for many people, it's okay, what's okay, God, and then family, and then work, or is it family, and then play, or is it, you know, church, or is it. No, it actually doesn't matter what it is. Those pictures can be in different orders, sporadically placed, different in each situation, providing God is first. That's all that really matters. Is that God is first. And if God is first, then that is going to have a certain meaning in my family. If God is first, that's going to have a certain meaning in my church. If that's 
If God is first, then that's going to have a certain meaning in my work. But different dreams, but all in one picture and, and, and some closely connected. So, so that's the prophetic picture that we painted on Sunday, excuse the pun, that we displayed on Sunday morning, just to put something in people's minds of, this is a new year as a blank canvas. And now I have to start dreaming in God. In various aspects of my, my overall life. I was taking one of the, the young people home on Sunday night, um, Dimitri, his parents, his dad's KK, and uh, just just was driving driving him home, and he asked me such an intriguing question. Just kind of the the next obvious question that everyone should be asking. He said, "You know, I, I really understand that that what you're saying this morning, but but how do I know if my desire comes from God? And how do I get those desires?" From God. So, such a, a double fault question. How do, in the first place, how do we get those desires that are going to be translated artistic expression, artistic creativity, artistic solutions through the, the painting of my, my, my life? How, how do I even get those desires in the first place? And then when desires do come, how do I know they're from God? And that's, that's a very good place for us as le- a leadership team to kind of start and say, you know, how do desires come? You know, the scriptures give us some, some clues. It says, when you're praying, whatsoever you desire while you're praying. So it almost, it would seem like, you know, God wants to give us the desires of our heart. It would almost appear that it's, it's out of c- the communion with the father of desire. That word desire, interestingly enough, is made up in two parts. Desire. D of desire father. Of father. So desire has a father. If, if I'm communing with darkness and negativity, what, what is being birthed? I'm being made pregnant to something that's negative and dark. Uh, all desires got farther. If I'm nursing wounds and disappointments and unforgiveness in certain relationships, if I'm nursing that and I'm brooding on it, it's naturally going to produce after its own kind. So the best way to start with desire is I need to get with, the, with my Heavenly Father. Because the more I commune with Him, the more I'm spending time in intimacy with Him. So, so, so that's, a, that's a first step. But here's another thought. Lots of people have got lots of different desires. And, and how do we know which are good desires and bad desires? I almost feel that, that we, we have to learn to trust our desires. If we're spending time with the Father, we can't become so analytical and, and sensitive about, oh, well, what if this is just me? Because if we continue playing the what if this is just me game, then there's a chance we're never going to do anything. You know, it's like a child comes to his father and there's a relationship and he says, Dad, I'm so excited at school about something. You say, what's it, my boy? I, I learned to play chess. And, you, and I know normal father's going to say, I, don't, I 
demand you stop playing chess, you will be a rugby player. Now, maybe there are some like that. I don't know. Weird people. But, but a father wants to nurture and encourage the desires of his children. Now, if your, des- your son comes in with a real wacko, weird, out of, you know, from the pit idea, obviously as a parent, you're going to di- direct them and guide them. Surely we should trust our Heavenly Father enough that when we come with desires that spring out of communion with Him and out of fellowship with Him, if they're not the kind of desires that are going to glorify Him, surely He knows that. And surely He sees our hearts are right. He's going to steer us and guide us and show us His way. Why are we praying? Whatever desires come into our hearts, believe in them. Have some confidence. Or else we'll just do nothing. And that doesn't glorify God much. You know, well, I had this, I had this desire to see this, this great ministry. Now in the past we say, yeah, but that could be the flesh. Or, or this business just, you know, spreading across the nations. Or, you know, I saw this big thing or this big thing or this child's going to be the next president. Or oh, no, that, that's got to be a fleshly desire. Anything big. And doesn't the Bible say, crucify the flesh, brother? Now, well, let's get that straight. I'm talking about two people who have crucified the flesh. They're people who've had the gospel preached to them. They're people who have come to a place of surrender in their own lives to God and said, my agenda is over, my purpose is over, I'm coming to the cross. I heard the voice that said, I'm the way, the truth and the life, there's no other way. I'm not coming by some, some good works program, I'm not coming by some philosophy, I'm coming through Jesus and Jesus only. I am identified with his death, burial and resurrection. I have a new life that's been breathed into me in the Holy Spirit and now I have passed from death into life. I'm a new new creation, I have a new nature in me and now the Bible says I have abundant life and I can reign in life. We shouldn't always be saying, I need to crucify the flesh. I should rather be saying, how do I reign in life? Because I was crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It's something that happened. And if that hasn't happened, we haven't stopped past go, we can't collect 200. If we haven't got that right, where we've surrendered to Christ as the only way, we've humbled ourselves, the rich man has said, my riches mean nothing, my, all my influence and contacts mean nothing, my philosophies mean nothing, it's Jesus and Jesus only. Until we've come to that place, we haven't been crucified with Christ. We can't start enjoying the kingdom and all the, 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 the promises and the inheritance that we're talking about here through desires. So I'm just talking around helping people that maybe get a bit harder than themselves. Didn't Paul say, I die daily? Shouldn't we be dying daily? Well, what is he talking about? Beasts of Ephesus. He, physically, his life was being threatened every day. That, that's, you know, we get these religious, spiritual ideas. And, oh, that must be the... If I think of anything, you know, that's not just to stand on the street corner and wave my Bible, it must be the flesh. Now, who knows? Maybe... Maybe the next person to discover a cure for AIDS is sitting here this morning. But you're not going to discover it standing on the street corner waving a Bible. You're going to discover it while you take your opportunity that you've got in the, in, in the medicine field and you apply your, your gifts to it and you ask for wisdom from on high to break in in creative solution finding and suddenly God blesses you. Why must He bless the heathen? Why must the heathen be the next mechanical engineer discovery invention? Why must the... You, you, okay, I think I've said some of these things. 
and I'm repeating myself. But I think we need to trust our desires and know that as a father, as a parent, would love his children to have desires. We, as Christians, should be full of desire. We should be bristling with desire. And, and you know one of the safeguards we've got? That we won't go off on a weird, occultish, you know, self-actualization, uh, what's that, that like, visualization thing? You, you, know, you know, it's our safeguard. We keep getting the gospel preached at us. The more we get the gospel preached and continually have the gospel preached, I don't know about you, but my heart needs the gospel preached it regularly. The gospel of grace, the gospel of the kingdom, it needs it preached to its heart, my heart. I, I, I've been listening to different people preaching just a simple gospel. That's why I don't understand when people say, let's move on, let's move on. To me, we can't move on. We've got to keep preaching the gospel. That's, it's easy for the guy preparing it, because that's when he preaches to himself. But if, if people don't, as you, as Christians, us, if we don't continually hear the life and the death and the burial of Jesus, the stepping out of first Adam's control into the new Adam, stepping out of the old covenant, into the new covenant. If we're not satisfied with the triumphant um, victory that Jesus got, uh, nailing uh, accusations that were against you and me to the cross, if we don't keep on hearing the message of salvation, the message of redemption, over and over, our hearts get hard. It's like, I remember Rory a few years ago says, he has to regularly take his heart out and beat it to death with the gospel. What a vivid picture. What he called it his wicked art. I've got to take my wicked art out and beat it to death with the gospel. It's such a graphic. <laughs> yeah, wow. It's one way of putting it. So, what I'm saying is, that's a safeguard. That's a safeguard. I'm spending far too much time on this. It's like an introduction. In the movie Chariots of Fire, remember what the guy said? When I run, I feel the pleasure of God. Something about when we're doing something that God's called us to do. And there's a desire for it. We have a desire for it and we, and we do it. And you know, it doesn't have to always be the most spiritual thing. But it's a window for the gospel to break in. His life became a testimony to the one before whom he derived pleasure. And as John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. When we're doing the thing He called us that we're passionate about. When we do the thing that, that wakes us up in the middle of the night. Someone came to you and said, I'll pay you as much as you need for the rest of your life. From tomorrow, you can just do whatever you want to do. I'm going to pay you whatever you need for life and for whatever you need. Money is not an issue. What would you get up and do tomorrow? That reveals something of what desire is. If it's a negative thing, then we've been communing with the father of negativity. You know, just get a fishing rod and a tent and camp on the beach. Yeah, well, you've got to have more desire in you than that. Yeah? Trade my wife in for two half her age. Well, now we know where your communion's been. I'd get two 15-year-olds. <laughs> Preach the gospel to the nations. Raise up teams. I can just hear Bill wanting to jump up here. Hey? 
You know what you would do tomorrow. I also know what you do tomorrow. It shows a bit of what, what our core desire in God is. Okay. God is not sitting up in heaven with a radio control on your life and you wake up and do what he just he drives you around. He, he's wanting to co-labor with you. He's wanting to partner with you as his son who is, is communing in his presence, who's walked through this narrow gate called death to self. Now, living in the kingdom of God. He, God is, what's important to you is important to God. Like a child and a parent. He wants to see his children coming alive with ideas and, and passion and dreams and visions. And, and he looks at those and he takes them seriously because as he's a loving father, he knows how to guard them. He knows how to steer them. He's saying, yes, my children are growing up now. They're not sitting as slaves going, okay, what's my next order? What's my next task? What's my next instruction? No, now we're going, oh Lord, I've been feeling this thing. I've been, it's been growing in me. Father, I'll bring it before you while I'm praying. What's the things I desire? I'm starting to believe in them. And now... How does this all influence or relate to a leaders meeting here on a Tuesday night with cell leaders and other leaders? Well, everything. I'll tell you a little illustration. We had some friends over in the holiday and this tweaked all of the buttons for me. They'd just been a bit tired, been a little bit burnt out and not that excited about the home cell prospect for the next year. We believe in home cells. Home cells are you know, meeting in small groups. It's a community thing. It's a biblical thing. It's a met from home to home. It's a place for, for communion, breaking bread, individual prayer, uh, reaching out to the lost. The, the, they met in the home. They met in the temple. We've got the theology of it. We believe in it. It's a, it's, it's a clear biblical p- pattern. But if you lose your joy in it, it very soon just becomes another task, another thing to get done, tick on the list, and, and we lose our passion. You know, I told you the illustration from, the, from Surf's Up on Sunday morning. You know, Cody and Big Z. Now you're ready. When he started finding joy in the thing he was doing, now you're ready. Anyway, so... We were sitting and having a meal and they were just sharing some of their frustrations. And one of their frustrations as a cell leader was just the amount of time they put in to the preparation under quite pressured circumstances. And then people just wouldn't pitch. Not even the decency of an SMS, not even the decency of a phone call. To me, it's just rude. But anyway, so here we have people feeling disillusioned, discouraged. Um, not wanting to drive people, but just wanting to run away from it. There's a whole lot of people nodding, but I'm not talking about you, okay? <laughs> so, I found myself saying this, and it got me thinking. I said, you know, funny enough, I feel like it from, part, from time to time. My wife has to get me out of bed on Sunday morning and remind me that I'm the pastor of the church. I've got to go preach. <laughs> I don't want to go today. You go, you're preaching. Not really. But I, I do understand when I'm preparing for a meeting like this, it takes huge energy. I mean, I don't know what it is about this kickoff meeting of the year. Also, my, my wife knows. The whole afternoon I'm just like bouncing off the walls. There's so much going on in my head and I don't know how. If no one arrived yet tonight, I'd be so discouraged. 
Because I've got all this building. I feel the Lord has spoken. I'm, I'm excited. And I, I just look out and see maybe say six people arrived tonight. And something would just... If I can do this again, Lord. Just too much energy. And then I said to him, I said, But you know, tonight we've been enjoying a meal together. We've been chatting about family issues, church issues, shepherding issues, the Lord in our life. Has it felt like a meeting for you? He said, no. I said, have you enjoyed this evening? He said, yes. I said, you know, I haven't been stressed once today. Have you been stressed about coming over here for supper tonight? He said, no. Are you getting it? What's the difference? What's the difference? Because I want to tap into that difference. I want to bottle it and I want to hand it out here at the deacon's meeting. Because there's something about when you do what you want to do, it's not a job. Someone once said that. If you do the thing you love, you'll never have to work another day in your life. But so few people willing to actually find out what is the thing they love. So few people wanting to get in touch with the desire, the longing, the passion, the dream. Out of fear that maybe it goes against the thing. Or, you know, let's just, let's not rock the boat. Eh? No, we don't want to go, you know, we just want to keep, don't want to rock the keep things simple. Maybe some of those fears are legitimate. But I say all that to say 2010 are you to dream again. What is the thing that becomes a desire in my heart? I, I, I thought about some folk in the church. And I, I thought of uh, Richard Palmer. He's not here. But he, he just got desirous to, to minister in the police stations. And he got, before lot, long, a whole lot of guys got around him. And that's what they do between Westville and Pinetown. They go and pray. Whenever I bump into him at church, he's so excited he's got another story to tell me. Louise Smith, Issa, the prisons. Just got a desire to go. I mean, you heard the testimony from Louise a few weeks ago. It's not work for her. She loves it. Dave Gibbon had a, had a desire for retired men to get together. He saw the need. He felt the need. And it wasn't the effort. He got a bunch of men. And those men just loved being around there's Leanne, saw, saw a need in the valley and got a desire for it. A few people gathered around her. And it's not work. It's not effort. It's not something she dreads. It's coming up soon. Clyde Field got excited about Mozambique. He didn't wait for anything. He just organized a whole lot of 4 by 4s and off they went. And now they've got a whole year planned out. And I'm linking them up with some other pastors in the area that are also working into Mozambique. Makes him alive. His lights have come on. His wife with the moms and babes. Some of the young guys, James, with the, with the, with the soccer. Now you say, yeah, but what, what can be spiritual about that? You'll be surprised. Have you heard how soccer players talk to each other? <laughs> you don't just need an anointing. You need like a super anointing. But can you see the... If we can redeem those passions for the gospel, if we can redeem those, the, those natural gatherings around some kind of activity with a leader, in this case a James, 
who genuinely loves people, genuinely sees the opportunity, applies his gift, asks for inspiration, is able to minister to people, unsaved guys come and join because it's a non-threatening environment. Before long, doors open, they get people saved that, that we'd never dream could get saved, if we redeem it. Of course we can become just about ourselves. Of course we can just go off onto a, uh, it's just all about me and now my sport on a Sunday and I don't care about the kingdom or the purpose of the church. Of course that can happen. That's why we have to keep having the gospel preached to our hearts. As long as we keep the gospel central, we're safe. Elaine Fenton just got a heart to counsel and see people brought to wholeness. A whole ministry is developed around her. Remember some time back, Peter Hall Green with the men's on a Saturday morning going for breakfast. And need I throw in here the Oshlagers. <laughs> there was a play inside Heather that just took time to manifest. And when it did, it gathered a whole lot of momentum, a whole lot of talents, a whole lot of people, because your passion will do that. Your desire will draw in people. And they will be the, they will be benefited it. And, and won't we all benefit it? Now some of these things I've mentioned have a time season, a time frame. But they all have to have a gospel window. They're not just for entertainment. I'm gonna just throw some other out at you. Nation Supper Club. Sometime back I remember that's what Brad Brad they had they were going to the feast and they had different nations. But imagine a kind of supper club that, that you pray for a different nation every week. But when we, we all have a bring and share Chinese. And we, pray, we have statistics on China. We pray for the church in China. Next week, India. The stats on India. We have a bring and share Chinese supper. Hey. Indian supper. Hey, I'm checking. I'm impressed. Woo. India, Absolutely. Somebody who, who's got a desire for people to find their purpose. Like a Gavin Swanepoel. He'll draw in those kind of people around him. I see it. Like someone who wants to help young business entrepreneurs. He's got a desire for it. But he goes to home cell. He goes through the program. He goes through the, the guidelines. And in his free time, he tries to squeeze in a moment and a moment there. Imagine if we could coach him into letting that desire start to run. Imagine the opportunities that he could bring. And not to feel that it's until death does he part. You know? It could be for a time. I think sometimes when we take those things past their season, we get tired again. Because we need new, we need a dream. Uh, uh, Fit for life. What was that fit for praise? What did Joy Miller used to do? Fit for praise. She just wanted to see people in good shape like me. And she thought, I can do that. I can get music going. I can get them all dancing and jumping around. Psalmody. It's one we haven't heard about for a long time. But including that songwriting, music, worship. What about public speaking? Someone who's really naturally gifted to help people do that kind of Toastmasters thing. But now we redeem it for the gospel. Learning to preach the gospel. Imagine someone got up and just said, I want to help teach people to preach. Thursday night we're meeting at my place and over the next term you're going to get one or two chances to preach. Come prepared. All the budding preachers. Yeah, I'm there. 
creative writing, art, parenting. Saturday mornings, breakfast, men's breakfast we mentioned, intercession. Think of someone, there's people in our church, like already, I know Anne and a couple of the ladies, something they're passionate about, it's not a job for them. Someone who, who feels a teaching gift on them, and they, they love the, a book of, say the book of Romans, and they're just so passionate about the book of Romans. I guarantee you, if they got up and said, I want to teach for a term on the book of Romans, there'd be some other people around them. I think that's, that's what Giles did in the old days, except we got the vision wrong. We always thought it was going to become a big thing. But these things don't have to become big things. They can be five, six, seven people. Back a home cell. It's got the same characteristics as a home cell, but we keep it as a window for the gospel. And you can't study Romans without being focused on the gospel. Dads and lads, prison, Police stations, hospitals, small business, walk and talk. <laughs> go to the Gibbonses every morning, I believe, for an hour up the hills out of Marindella, and they speak about all the important things around the church life. A group of friends just going for a walk, saying, We're gonna, this is a way we can keep it. And while we're walking, we're fellowshipping, we're talking, picking up needs, picking up challenges brainstorming things, get to the end. You know, why can't the small group operate like that? Now, the danger here, okay, full stop, new chapter. The danger in dreaming again within the context of how we do small groups, dreaming again in terms of locating desires that we, we trust as we, we communing with God, is that we, we start programming things. Because this is what we could do. We could put a big board up here with all these things and say, go and put your name next to a box and on Sunday we're going to put it around the church and get people to volunteer. What have we just done? Made a program. Better still. Maybe we just keep doing cell like we're doing at the moment. But not to stop there. If it's two weeks or three weeks or four weeks... In fact, I know we've got a great set of DVDs for the cells. Joseph Prince teaching on the fall art. You're going to love it for the home cells for this next couple of weeks. But I want to say it's not exclusive. We, we don't have to stick to that. That's for the ladies, but we just hijacked it. Sorry, for all the guys that aren't part of the ladies group or the ladies that work in the evening and were left out of this breakfast so ruthlessly on Sunday, just told tough, I'm going to say to all of you, you're free. You're going to watch those on Thursday nights if you wish. But, but better still, I would love to see what I'm talking about start happening. Can you see a church full of that? This is, this is the box with regards to church. Now I know there's, there's other, other ones in your life where you've got a dream. Your work situation, the opportunities there, your family, the opportunities there, your recreation, the opportunities there, your personal life and where you're, you're going into the future. All I can say is, I'm speaking to mature believers here, is we've just got to keep God first. We've got to keep the gospel center. And we'll be safe. We've got to keep preaching the gospel. The life, the death, the burial. Jesus' performance in our place. 
He was prepared to be identified with us at our worst so we could be identified with Him at His best. He got everything we deserved so we got everything, could get everything He deserved. We've got to keep preaching that we, our position and our condition are separate. That justification comes by faith and faith alone. We live from our position, not our condition, as we're being transformed by the Spirit from glory to glory into His likeness. We've got to keep the gospel central got to keep our priority that God irrespective of what the order could be you first in my life can you dream this here let's stand up together thank you Lord thank you Lord Lord as we've um, spent this time I've just tried to communicate what's been burning on my own heart. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be the afterburner and cause signs to follow this message. I pray that there would be signs of visible release over people's lives. The purposes, the callings of God in every one of our hearts. Seeds lying dormant would begin to take root. Desires covered over with all kinds of wrong thinking begin to break out. Discouragements and disappointments of yesteryear we'd leave hung up in the gallery of the past under the blood of Jesus. Lord, we face this new, this canvas for 2010. And specifically, Lord, for this local church, we want to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done in Highway as it is in heaven. Anybody want to pray just where they're standing? Just lead us in a prayer.